award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. we got a fun show for you today. Uh, we've uh, Don King is helping me co-host. He's in studio today. You bet, Jason. Glad to be here. Good good to sh- be able to share this new information. Yeah, yeah. We're excited about this new plan that's out. It's uh, the, the Bob White Quail plan, or uh, we'll get the details on that from Roger. Roger Applegate's our guest today, and he's joining us via Zoom. So, Roger, thanks for being with us. Very glad to be there. Hey, you know what? Before we introduce Roger, I want to say, before I forget, we always forget, Todd is our producer, and he is the one punching the buttons over here, making this Zoom thing work for us. So (laughs) Exactly. Switching everything. So, anyway, we really appreciate him, and glad we could welcome Roger electronically this morning. Yeah, yeah. Roger, he's... uh, He's up in our wildlife division, and uh, we'll let him uh, introduce himself and tell us who he is. He's been on the show once before, but yeah. uh, it's been a while, so we'll reintroduce uh, Roger to everybody, and and uh, then we'll kick off and talk about this new management plan that we've got that's uh, that's uh, new to the agency or, or been updated anyway. So go ahead, Roger. Sure, Roger Applegate, and I'm the um, I, I play several roles. I'm the coordinator for small game fur bear and also wildlife health programs for the agency in the wildlife and forestry division uh, in Nashville. So I work statewide um, and do lots of things uh, promoting these programs and collecting data and guiding research projects and, and various things like that that are important. So when uh, when you got questions about small game and like you said, fur bears and trapping and things like that, you're the man to call. Everybody calls on you, right? That's it. And every time they see some sick-looking animal um, that doesn't look normal, I'm the one that gets the call. I get probably <laughs> five of those a day sometimes. All right. How long have you been with the agency, Roger? Uh, for 15 years. All right. Some change. So did you start out here? Uh, that, that was before my time. So have No, you- I, I, I actually, prior to this, I was in charge of uh, small game uh, management and research programs in Kansas, um, in a state where they they believe quail are declining, but I think most Tennesseans would say they've got plenty yet, <laughs> and they do by comparison to us. But. Yeah, I remember Roger and I have talked about you know being in the Midwest, and I grew up in Nebraska, and hunting uh, pheasant in Nebraska. Um, I mean, I think back and I think how bothersome quail were when I was hunting hunting pheasants. (laughs) How they would scare you. You know, a a covey would fly and, oh gosh, that'd get your heart pumping there. Well, that's cool. Uh, I see. I hadn't. Got, I haven't had a chance to experience that kind of adrenaline or that kind of hunt because quail haven't been as as populated right, you know, right. in my lifetime. Yeah. So we're going to learn about what we're doing as an agency and as a as a country really to try to bring back quail and uh, in the regions that they were once here and and plentiful. So, uh, Roger, I look forward to this conversation. Uh, first, let's talk about the plan. I'm going to pull it up on the screen so folks watching can see it. Yeah. And, uh, and Roger, you'll be able to see it, too, uh, from your angle. But um, if you're listening on the radio, go check the show out. Uh, if you're listening on podcasts, you know, go tune into the, to the video portion and so you can see this stuff. But we're going to try to explain it the best we can today to help you all understand 
what we're trying to do. So first, I want you to tell us about the team that that uh, the team of folks that are are working with you and and came up with this plan. And I'm going to share the screen now, so we'll see that. Yeah. yeah so we uh, we assembled a a group and wanted to to make sure that uh, you know we had representation. Uh, across the wildlife division, but we also knew that we needed to have some representation from our our biodiversity programs um, as well. Um, and and most importantly, we wanted to make sure that we had some some land managers, some folks that actually have to do this work on the ground. And so we selected several folks. And I mean, you can see. Uh, you know, you can see the names listed there, but um, what I can tell you is uh, some key things that I'll point out is that, you know, we had uh, Brandon Gilbert, for example, Wes Winton, and, and Bill Smith uh, are, are land managers. Their responsibility is managing wildlife areas, and they, they manage wildlife areas that have quail. Um, and, and so they they work with this um, this process of restoration every day. Um, I mean, literally, it's an everyday thing. And uh, Brian Chandler, I'll, I'll mention, also um, coordinates our forestry programs. And forest management's a pretty important part in this part of the country for managing quail uh, because it's the it's sort of the base that we have land to, to work from. So Brian's very key in that. We also have David Haney, who's a, who's basically our bird expert for the agency, um, and he works with uh, is interested obviously in quail, but also all of the other birds that, that live in the state, and and live in the same conditions that bobwhites do. Um, and uh, James Aikens, uh, Wally Aikens, is uh, the assistant chief of our wildlife enforcement division. Uh, pretty key. Stephen Thomas is one of our habitat biologists. And Stephen uh, works out of a, an NRCS, a Natural Resource Conservation Service office um, for us and for that agency to help uh, with uh, managing habitat on private lands and, and, and most importantly, bringing some of the federal funds that are available through the Farm Bill um, to those folks that, that want to work with us on habitat. So this is very key to have his experience as part of this, this development team. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really, uh, it was, it was really a multi, um, multifaceted group, um, that, that I was just very tickled to, to be able to, to put together and, and get in a room pre COVID when we're doing a lot of this, actually getting in a physical room together and talking about these things. For sure, so that's an all-star really cast. Cool. There, there really, there it really is, is an all-star uh, cast. And I'm tickled. I'm really tickled at, at having had the opportunity to bring all these folks together. You talk about the yeah. the private lands part of it too. That's important because I mean we don't have we have a lot of WMAs, a lot of a lot of public land that we can manage, but private land plays a big part in this, right? Yes, it does. And, and in fact, um, you know, from uh, from recent survey that that uh, we, we just finished conducting about small game harvest with the University of Tennessee. Um, really most hunting for small game species really occurs on private lands. And that's, that's reflecting the fact that that's the, that's the majority ownership of the land we have. You know, we're, we're blessed to have a lot of, of uh, agency-owned land, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's hard to make those agency-owned lands 
uh, available for hunting everything that people want to hunt. And so they have to sort of be be managed in certain ways. For example, you know, waterfowl areas, uh, which we have out in, especially in West Tennessee, lots of uh, wetland areas for waterfowl, um, you just really can't, can't help quail much yeah. on those areas because you have to have water on them for so much of the year. So, um, so, you know, we really can't make those multiple use that much from the hunting standpoint. So we have to concentrate in places that, you know, that, that have mostly land um, and land that we can manage. And a lot of times that's forested acres. For sure. And a lot of the private lands, though, on the other hand, you know, we can have some areas that have agriculture and pasturing uh, for livestock and so forth. And it, it makes the process different. Well, one uh, one thing I don't I want to make sure we mention our our partners, and you you mentioned a little bit about how we work with other other uh, agencies and things. But uh, some who are some of the key partners that that we work with to make some of this uh, the stuff happen. So uh, of course you know the uh, Natural Resource Conservation Service USDA is is a key one. That's that's our real key in in dealing with uh, uh, delivering habitat on private lands because they have farm bill. Um, money that's available through that program um, to to put on it. Also, uh, U.S. Forest Service, which owns um, Land Between the Lakes, uh, an important area that's uh, here in Middle Tennessee, as well as uh, uh, significant acreage in Cherokee National Forest out in East Tennessee. Um, University of Tennessee, which, of course, um, you know, really does a lot of science for it. Uh, they're really key for that. Um, Quail Forever, um, which is the, the ultimate organization we have that focuses on quail. Uh, it's very important uh, to our activities, as is, um, you know, some of the other um, organizations like the National, National Wild Turkey Federation. We have a, a Tennessee chapter of that, which is very active in just general habitat management. Sure. Um, and so, you know, and there's a lot of others. Um, that, that you can see here as well, um, and some that we're working with, um, you know, Fort Campbell and other military facilities that we have within the state and, and, and so forth. And we're cultivating more uh, involvement in the National Park Service um, and, and some of these other groups that you see there. That's um, cool. So it's really important uh, having these partners, and, and we're going to have more, I know, as we go. Right. Uh, these were just the ones that we, we consulted during the planning. But uh, as time goes, we're going to be dealing with, with lots of other groups that are not listed here. Well, I mean, well as you can see, there's a lot of people uh, got their hands in the pot and, and making things happen for, uh, for this plan. You know, uh, we don't want to leave out our, our executive staff here, you know, directors and, and chiefs of divisions that are helping make this stuff happen. Uh, they're very important as well. So. Uh, it's great to see everybody jumping on board and coming together to make make something like this happen. And and uh, so let's jump into some of the goals. Uh, we want to make sure we hit those today. And I'll I'll scroll fast to uh, to get down there. But these are this is the this is the foundation. This is uh, what we're trying to achieve. Right, right, Roger. Right. I see number yes. one is habitat. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and so then we have uh, outreach, and actually that's one of the reasons we're here today is that that important component, and we'll talk a little bit more about these in a bit, I think. But, yeah. And we have population goals because we need to get numbers to 
uh, levels that allow them to be sustainable over time. And in order to do any of that, we've also got to have some research. And believe it or not, um, you know, we're lacking in research for here in Tennessee. I mean, it was done years ago, and things have changed so dramatically since any real quail research was done. Um, we, we need information on what it's like today. These very low populations are very isolated, small in many cases. Uh, we just need to, to have more of that information. So those are all really key, key parts um, to the plan. Those four big, big areas cover like just everything, you know, that you really need to do. Roger, what would you yeah. say would be the biggest change that's happened, you know, since the research was done before? Uh, the biggest change is just the landscape, uh -huh. really, of the state. So when you think about um, when research was done by the agency, the last time any research was done by the agency, for example, was um, in the 1970s. And wow. it was based at Laurel Hill WMA. Uh -huh. And Laurel Hill WMA in the 1970s was all open land that was suitable for quail from one side of that, that area to the other. And for, for most people that have been to Laurel Hill in recent times, it's uh, mostly forested. Hmm. Um, and it's an excellent place, by the way, to hunt squirrels. Uh -huh. But um, quail hunting opportunity and habitat for quail is very limited there. Uh, because it grew up in the midst of, you know, the, the many years since that research was done. And then research was done by UT, uh, quite extensively focused at Ames Plantation in West Tennessee. Mm. And since that period of time, managing processes at, uh, and this was all the last research there was, I, I think, probably in early 1990s. So already over 20 years ago. Right, yeah. And, and so Ames Plantation, for anyone that has been there and knows what Ames Plantation looks like now, it didn't look like that in the 1990s and prior when UT was involved with a lot of research uh -huh. there. So the landscape, the amount of forest, the diameter of forest, the canopy closure of forest lands, all of these different things have changed. Uh, agriculture has changed. So just think in, in terms of uh, tobacco, for example, was a still a really major crop in much of Tennessee um, up until just about 20 years ago. Uh -huh. um, and so, uh, and believe it or not, tobacco land was actually not bad quail habitat because mm. it was always rotated. Patches were always rotated mm. from year to year um, and had fallow um, conditions that are just super ideal for quail. Right. We don't have that now. Uh, you know, there's some, but I mean, it's it's very limited uh, compared to what it was. I think it's so important. Those are, those are just a few of those those key land things that, right. that just have happened. Sure. Um, I think it's important to let folks know that we haven't been we haven't been sitting back twiddling our thumbs. I mean, we've we've been working <laughs> on quail for for a long time, even since I started with the agency and been here. You know, I've 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 heard of things y'all are doing and 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 working towards this this management plan and working towards goals and things like that. It's it's something that doesn't happen overnight, right, Roger? That's exactly right. Exactly right. You know, we, we didn't get down to the low levels we are now. It didn't happen just overnight. It, it happened over a long period of years. And so the, the climb back up the hill, if you want to think of it that way, to get back to 
something that is far better than we have um, at present is is also going to be a long climb. So it's going to take some time, and we're we're building at it. And we have not been idle. I mean, this plan this plan comes along just as another step in. Uh, other plans that we have had over time, and they have expired, and we've implemented those, and we've just been we've been building this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just shows how deep the hole is that sure. we're climbing out of. Well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Bill Smith and and his uh, he manages the uh, help me out. I'm forgetting the name now. Kiker Bottoms. Kiker Bottoms. Yes, and yeah. um, uh, you see a lot of quail out there. They're, that that yeah. property is exploding, and and it shows an, that's an example of what we can do. And, and and that's one of the demonstration areas, right? Can you explain a demonstration area for? Yeah. So a demonstration area is just what Kiker Bottoms is um, at present. It's a, a property that, um, through a lot of years of careful management, um, that you know they built the population there. Uh, that is huntable. Um, you know, it can sustain hunting. Now, it doesn't sustain hunting all season long every day. It's done, you know, more, more restrictive. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it also, in some ways, defies kind of some of the science we know about quail, and that is that the acreage is not anything near what, what it, the textbook, so to speak, uh-huh. the science says... Uh, needs to be. Um, it also doesn't have the kind of of management that a lot of people think you have to have. So a lot of times they think about, you know, quail hunters think about tall timbers down in Georgia and Florida, which is uh, sort of a big uh, research area that's um, down there uh, in the pine lands. And a lot of the research they do focuses on artificial feeding and focuses on a lot of practices that are very intensive and very expensive Mm. to implement. Um, And uh, Kiker Bottoms doesn't do any of that. There's a little bit of predator trapping and hunting that takes place there a little bit, but it's not real control in the intense sense. And you don't have, you don't see lots and lots, you don't see artificial feeding and you don't see lots and lots of food plots. There are some. But you don't see lots of them in the way that you do on some of those plantation type management situations. Right. But yet, the population is close to a quail per acre, uh, which is amazingly good because really, um, you know, it's more like a quail per four acres. And that's sort of the trigger where uh, if you have a quail per four acres, you can start thinking about very careful cautious hunting Mm. you know in other words a little bit of hunting can take place and you can harvest a few birds and not damage the population Uh and it's better than that but then you've got the southern plantation which has you know more like two two birds per acre which is you know double that um but that's because they put lots and lots of of money into additional things like artificial feeding and so on right okay so we're managing up to that to that um you know hoping to be up to that quail per four acre type situation and and maybe even a quail per acre where we can those are the really kind of the the things you need to target for um 
there was a so that that's the kind of some of the basis behind uh, a little bit of that and and where kiker fits into that and it's a demonstration because this is if you do this you have a pretty good chance of being successful right okay so we want to emulate that obviously uh, yeah yeah for sure so talk about a quail focus area and and if there's something on that pdf you want me to show i'll bring it back up uh, yeah yeah if you wouldn't mind um okay and there's a really nice illustration i think that will help visualize what what i'm going to tell you about uh which is the the approach that we're using um for for our plan is called focus and anchor okay and so what it is it's really should be it, it should be the reverse it should refer to it the reverse is anchor and focus and so what it is is it's based on an anchor and the anchor which is this gold colored or yellow colored area in this illustration is a wildlife management area this is one of our our, our agency wildlife management areas um you know uh, whatever that is it could be wolf river uh, any of the ones that we've we've selected to work with, mm -hmm. and our our plan is maximizing the uh, amount of acres that are suitable for quail and the number of quail on this area, so that uh, excess quail will now disperse into areas that are outside of the boundaries of that WMA, and that's the purple. Uh, or bluish looking area, which we call a focal area. And so that's an area where uh, there will be other ownerships that are not WMA, but they can be uh, just privately owned farms, um, you know, commercial timberlands, they can be state forests, um, they can be national wildlife refuges, national parks, they can be any place where some quail habitat can be developed and managed um, with those various ownerships and quail can now expand their populations into those surrounding areas as a result of of the populations being created uh, through management of those those anchor areas and when times get rough uh, you know like if an owner says yeah this is too much work we can't continue to do this habitat work um, we will still always, at a very minimum, have quail in those anchor WMAs. Okay. And when there's fluctuations in habitat outside of that, there's always going to be quail there that can populate when times are good and conditions are good outside of that area. So in the conditions we have right now, we don't have that situation. So quail populations actually just totally disappear from from large areas because there's no source to for birds to come back into. So that's that's kind of the concept. That's the real basis. And then a lot of what we're doing uh, in this plan then is is really um, structured to implement this this process. And then down the road we'll we'll, we'll talk about there's a couple other things related to this that that I'll hold for later if that's okay. Um, and we'll kind of get into those as we get down down the road here. Sure, well, discussion. We we got a we got about you know a few more minutes here. We can we can dive into some of this. Uh, one thing I did want to make sure we that we highlighted was a few of the uh, the objectives for um, for the goals that we had set. And we're and we're scrolling through this this document fast, folks. So if you're if you're tuning in, make sure you go to our website tmwildlife.org. You can pull this document up and read through it, uh, understand it more. 
Um, but anyway, I want to highlight some of those objectives that we had under our goals and, and highlight them as, you, as you'd like, Roger. We've got you know, a few minutes here, yeah, um, yeah. but we can't well, dive into all of them today. Yeah, I know, and, and I think it's better if folks have a chance to, to, to really read it anyway, uh, and I would encourage uh, people to do that. But So we have, we have those goals and that we already mentioned earlier, you know, habitat and so on, and so the habitat goal here is probably one of the, well, they're all key. I guess I don't want to say one's more important than the other, but, you know, this is the one I think we all agree uh, requires probably the most work, um, and if not, and if anything, the most cost as well. But um, what's really important here is because we have uh, private land um, biologists that work uh, as habitat uh, specialists on private lands and so forth. You know, one of the things that we really want to do is is to use them to maximize the amount of uh, land and also helping to educate people how to manage land for quail and, and things of that sort mm -hmm. so that's a really key piece of of this and of course maintaining and maximizing the ha the habitat that's on those anchor areas is also very important uh, so that's that's really kind of some highlights and again you'll be able to read these and uh you know at your leisure and kind of go through more of the detail behind what's what's here and here's my favorite and then, and then yeah an outreach uh yeah because uh, here we are this is actually part of uh, objective one uh, of this process and and uh, you know hopefully not the only the, the last time that we do this but uh, I'm hopeful that Jason and 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 folks will invite me back again for some more discussions for about sure. some things in the future um, and we've got it out there on the so website that's, really that's part of it too is getting it out there for folks yeah, to, to yeah, read that that's exactly right um, that's an important important piece of this as well uh, is just getting information out uh, to folks, and we're hopeful that we can organize um, what we're referring to as a quail summit, which would be perhaps an annual um, sort of a, um, a meeting or gathering uh, where folks can come and, and uh, hear about, and I hope in the future, really come to a place and, and be in a room with all of us and, and interact with us, you know, physically um, about quail management and have some speakers to help, you know, talk to them about ways to improve their land and so forth. And, and then we have this population goal, which is pretty important um, because that's the bottom line is we have to maintain and increase the population. Uh, and then we have a research goal. And we're implementing the research goal. In fact, right now, um, we have a research project starting with UT. And um, that's forming up, and it's going to look at those WMAs and help guide us with what management we need to do on each one of those to improve the population. Good yeah. deal. Well, Roger, we're going to run out of time, and I appreciate you you being on the show today. We'll bring you back. There's a lot more we could discuss and, and elaborate on. But remember, tmwildlife.org. It's where you can go find this report, this this plan, uh, read through it, understand it the best you can. Call if you have questions, email us. Uh, you know, we're here to help. And uh, and uh, we just appreciate you coming in and talking to people today. Sure. Glad to do it. Thank you, Roger. All right. Well, this is Tennessee Wildcast, uh, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.